0: Welcome back everyone to Movie Geek and Proud, the show where there are no guilty pleasures in film, fuck the haters, and be proud of your taste. I'm your host Rob with another Rob's Rewind. This is where I rewatch a film in my collection and see if it holds up. To stay on the shelf, it has to score a 4 or above out of 5, or get tossed and traded for a store credit, figuratively anyway. Let's start the show.
1: The story of Stanley Ipkiss.
0: Stanley, you are the nicest guy. (laughs) Really, you are.
1: His job is at the bank. You're 40 minutes late. Now, that's the same as stealing. I'm sorry, Mr. Dickey. It'll never happen again. He loves his dog. Come on, Give him to me. Drop it. He's polite to his landlord. Ipkiss, do you have any idea what time it is? You know, Mrs. Payneman? What? and the most exciting thing in his life are his pajamas. But now... Hey, you! What are you doing down there? I'm just looking for... my mask! All that is about to change. Ah! Ah!
0: Because Stanley Ipkiss is not the man he used to be. Huh? Smokin'!
1: The mask.
0: Ooh. Somebody stop me! In 1994, one of the best films, in my opinion, was released on my birthday weekend. This was a film based on a character that I had absolutely no idea who it was about. But the fact that it starred Jim Carrey made it all the easier to go out and see it. And let me tell you... My movie experience with this movie was one of the best that I will ever have and carry with me in memory because the movie is just so much fun. I am obsessed with this movie. It's one of my top favorites, and I'm so glad to be able to rewatch and review The Mask with Jim Carrey. Here to help me with this review is Ryan, who is also host of his own podcast called Radical Retro Rewind. Welcome back, Ryan, to Movie Geek and Proud.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. I
0: am so happy to be talking this movie with you. (laughs) So, seriously, I am so obsessed with this movie. I convinced... My neighborhood video store. I really wish I could remember the chain. Um, But... They were displaying them behind the counter because they were being released the very next day. And, of course, I was there before closing, so they were putting (laughs) all this up. I convinced the gentleman behind the counter to sell me the VHS copy before it officially released the next day. I was that obsessed.
1: That was a big deal because I remember they would not. They would like, no, you got to come back the next day. He let let me have it.
0: it. He let me have it. I saw this movie six times in theaters. But, no a, way. but a big, a big reason for that was because I went to a dollar store to see it just to pass the time as a kid. So it was
1: literally a dollar.
0: Yeah. It was yeah, there was this dollar movie theater where it God. cost a dollar to see movies. And so I would go there all the time just to rewatch this movie. Uh, so I would really gravitates me to this movie is our lead character. This is a film that literally puts a genuine, shy, geeky-ish, nice guy in the forefront as the lead. He gets the girl. He feels confident. He has all these powers, but he's also a big kid at heart. And I just, you just don't get to see a non-muscular, like, guy just prevail they're usually side characters and i love the fact that a nice guy was able to finish first in this particular movie and still to this day i just think it's just one of the greatest depictions of what a nice guy could look at while not being quote-unquote wimpy or not good enough or not manly enough or whatever the case may be and it just worked and like as we talk about this movie we'll even Good. he's even a guy like honestly who couldn't fight like he got the upper hand yeah. Yeah. but like he's not a fighter either you know he you know and if he fights you know he's still gonna get the punch you know the shit out of him if he needs to be but i i just i just really really like stanley ipkiss so much as a character i just think it's awesome and i think jim carrey did a wonderful job uh do you like the mask like what would what, what do you think about this movie this is actually the only movie I saw with both
1: of my brothers in the movie theater. So (laughs) it will, will always, yes, because Michael is not a movie theater person, my older brother. So he, this is like, I remember this clearly as being the one movie that I saw with my two brothers in the movie theater. And
0: do you know um, why he saw this with you? I think my mother made us. Okay.
1: (laughs) I think she's like, go to get, you never do anything with your brothers. I was a huge Jim Carrey fan too. So when this movie came out, I mean, I feel like everyone in that generation that we belong to, like you're almost you have to like Jim Carrey almost because he was in everything at the time. I mean, in Living Color. Um was this before or after um Ace Ventura?
0: So The Mass and Ace Ventura came out in the same year. Ace Ventura was February, while The Mass was July.
1: Wow. So I mean he was the man of the hour and I couldn't get enough of Jim Carrey at school. Everyone talked about him. So I remember fondly loving this movie and the animated series that also followed.
0: (laughs) So the thing was, I didn't go to the theater to watch Ace Ventura. I saw that on video. So I saw the mass first, That was my first out of the trilogy. Then I saw Ace, and then I went to Dumb and Dumber. So, yes. So, yeah. uh, The Mass was my first, you know, thing that sort of really got me into Jim Carrey at the movies. Because before that, it was all about Living Color. But yeah, uh, the Mass again. While it may not be a movie that I watch a lot, it honestly, I watch it, and it's and it's just like. I watch it every year. It To me, re-watching this again, it was still funny, and it was yeah. still relatable, and I was still into it. And let me tell you this. So I saw this on uh, HBO Max, oh. which means that it was in HD, and it looked gorgeous. Like, the special effects hold that, up that. so much. I cannot believe how good these effects are.
1: Rob, I wrote the same thing. Like, my literal first note was the effects are so good in this movie still that I swear there's movies that were released two years ago and the CGI looks atrocious. And somehow, I don't know if it's the cartooniness of the movie, but it looks fantastic.
0: It looks so good. Their use of color in this, I think, gives us that like comic book oh. feel, Ooh. but all of those neon colors to contrast with his mask and his oh. wardrobe. A like, yellow. Yeah. So good. It, they just did a really good job with the city and the ambiance of it all. I, I just thought it was great. Um, So when you see dark horse entertainment, so this is where the um, comic book is based from. Yes. Dark horse is a darker side of comics, Right. So it's based on a Dark Horse comic book series of the same name, which frequently comprise a very dark horror stories on how the mask would murder people with cartoon antics. Did you know this about the mask? I remember
1: it only years later reading about that. But I remember, Rob, going to comic book stores in, I guess, the 90s, and the masks were always not – they were in plastic, like, yeah, Most of them were open that you could just open, but the mess, it was mature. I remember not being able to, yeah, to get the the comics at the time, but so so crazy to compare to what it was in the movie.
0: So what, what was that MTV? What was it? Liquid swim or liquid?
1: Oh, liquid. Oh my God. Liquid television, liquid with television.
0: The- so like with the Eon Fluxes and the Wrens and Stimpies, like the animation of this comic book was very dark and mantic. Um, He looked like a crazy psycho killer, to be honest. I'd never read the comics, but so Chuck Russell, he directed this movie. He said that the movie script started off in that tone um, before transforming it as a vehicle for Jim Carrey's unique comedy. (sighs) So some would say that this movie was written for him, even though I will go over a couple of other people who might have gotten this role. The movie technically did seem like it was written for him, right? I have to actually say that
1: he, to me, he plays such a non-Jim Carrey character when he's not in the mask that I would believe almost, yeah, that it could be possible that it was for a different actor.
0: Yeah. Well, the original comic book series is very adult oriented and it's centered on the mask turning whoever wears it into a psychopath killer known as Big Head. And so he would slay his victims in gruesome fashions for futile reasons. So are you curious or would you even say disappointed that you did not get the authentic sort of horrific way of the mask? Or are you completely satisfied with the fact that they chose a more lighter and comedic tone?
1: I mean, I'm sure the original author wouldn't agree, but. I am very happy that we got this comedy tone and it was something that we were able to enjoy in our younger years because it honestly, if it was that dark and, and you know, it probably wouldn't have had the lasting legacy maybe that it has now. This fun, I mean, I guess it probably would have had that fun cartoony look either way. Cause the comic book from what I've seen seems like it's colorful as well. Um, but I'm happy it's a comedy and it's, it's this.
0: I am I'm also very curious. I mean, I think this would be the perfect time to adapt this again and make it more of this horrific Ooh, tone and see yes. exactly what it would look like if they had done it in a way as the comic book sort of intended. Uh, the only difference, well, I shouldn't say only, but one of the, some of the biggest differences of this movie was that the uh, character of Milo, Stanley's dog, as well as the villain of the movie, Dorian Tyrell, who was played by Peter Green, were entirely original creations for this film. So you do not see them in the comic books. He did not have a dog, Milo.
1: Oh, my God. And Milo is one of my favorite favorite parts of this movie. I know,
0: no, Milo definitely is amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, One other thing that I kind of wanted to point out, just as we're touching on the wonderful special effects. So, uh, this movie cost $23 million uh, as revealed by the director. But Carrie basically saved them tons and tons of money because of the fact that he was able to contort his face in such very animated and very rubber like facial features. It saved them so much money on not applying that CGI into his face because he was able to do it himself. So this movie would have cost a lot more had it not been for Jim Carrey's amazing way of, of how he can like change his face in many different ways as, as well as the performance of his body and the way that he moved it.
1: I believe it.
0: Awesome. I think that is so awesome. I think that's great. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, Stanley Ipkiss for a second. What did you think of this character?
1: Like you, Rob said uh, earlier, I love that Stanley is an everyday gentleman. That he isn't this. Like you, you summed it up beautifully. He's not a buff hero. He's literally it could be you or me, and it seems like the everything's against him. Things happen to him continuously. And I love that he is able to transform into this alter ego. But I think he's relatable. I actually think this is one of Jim Carrey's most likable roles to me.
0: Very likable. But here's the thing. Nice guys or just any sort of tropey character sometimes gets amplified when you're putting them on screen and they're a little bit of an exaggeration of how it actually is. Now, I'm not saying that people like Stanley Ipkiss do not exist, <laughs> but the movie definitely set up him to seek out sort of a justice or revenge on anyone who sort of picked on him up until the point that he discovered the mask. He gets robbed by a gang, a street gang. His boss is an asshole. He doesn't enter in the club because he doesn't have the look. You know, obviously he had a woman completely run over him and make him guilt trip into doing something that he didn't want to do, but he couldn't help it because he's a nice guy. And so what do you think about the fact that his level of niceness. Now, for instance, the very first scene that we get, the literal first lines is he's talking to a girl who I think he's sort of romantically involved with or trying to be. And he buys her tickets to a show and she just out of nowhere says, well, I have a friend standing with me and we need her to go too because I don't want her to be alone. So buy another ticket for us. And he's like, no, they're sold out. Well, she's like, well, I can't just leave her by herself. So he immediately, without even questioning it, gives the tickets that he bought to her to take her friend. Now, she could have been lying, but even if she was and she made plans with him. Why is it, like, not nice, quote-unquote, to be like, sorry for her, she can't go. I I bought them. Like... Is that like, is that the natural nice thing that you are supposed to do to be chivalry towards women? Or what is he being walked over? Like, what do you think about this level of niceness? Do you feel that it's realistic or they should have written him not so nice? Like, what do you think about that? I think, I mean, it
1: sounds crazy in our day and age, but there are nice people that i guarantee something like this has happened to and i forgot all about it rob and it made me so upset
0: yeah i was very upset watching it myself
1: seeing this i was like oh my god because as a kid it might go over your head like you're just like oh it's blah, 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 it's it's fun blah, blah blah but i was like my god this man he literally let her have those tickets just because you know he was hoping maybe that Maybe he she would look his way one day after this. Terrible. The woman is terrible. <laughs>
0: <coughs> Jolie Fisher, by the way.
1: Yes, yes!
0: I forgot she was in this movie. I thought it was totally, so cool to see her.
1: Totally forgot as well. <laughs>
0: but so yeah, I think Jim Carrey did a wonderful job. I think this is one of his most likable characters. And did it <sighs> showcase like his range and what he's capable of probably not i mean this was an average joe which i think is okay to have and you know compared to a lot of his other movies that he's done i think this is a great sort of versatile role that exists that i'm so glad that was made but i his natural ability to like go into the mask that the way that he did this this was written for him i just think he did such an amazing Uh, job honestly yeah
1: He, you know what? It actually, I think it is such a good role because I think of Jim Carrey as manic all the time. Like someone who's crazy, always contorting themselves. Ace Ventura is what I think about. So when you give him a Stanley Ipkiss role to, and then you do the mask as this alter ego, I think it's perfect because he literally is the complete opposite. So... I'm actually glad that he did get this role like this.
0: I am too. And uh, would you say now he turned down the possibility of doing a sequel. What do you think about (laughs) the decision of
1: the son of the mask?
0: Well, I mean, the (laughs) movie definitely wasn't made first before him. I mean, obviously, if he had agreed, they would have come out with a different movie. But what do you think? about him turning down the idea of a sequel. We got an Ace Ventura sequel, and I think that was the thing. It's because he did that, that he didn't want to do the mask because he didn't want to be tied down to just being like the sequel man. But I would have wanted a mask, too, aside from a Ace Ventura 2. And because that movie wasn't nearly as successful as the first one, which I also think is why he turned it down. But what do you think? Like I, I wanted I think- a mask sequel.
1: I agree. If we could have avoided when Nature Calls. I, I mean, it's I, I guess it's not the worst sequel, but The Mask deserved it over over Ace Ventura hands down.
0: Yeah, I totally agree on that. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to talk about as, as far as like Stanley Ipkiss is like uh his his love of cartoons, I also love. Like the idea of a grown man just being into cartoons like that, I just don't think that's a bad thing. I don't that's know awesome. if it shows like less maturity or whatever, but I just think it's really cool that this guy was written this way. And he does have a dark side to him. So the mask apparently is the id. And we've yeah, talked about yeah. this, you know, on different, you know, shows or whatnot. So we're more familiar of what the id is, but it's that it's that thing inside of you that wants to like it's sort of like that inner voice, the inner desire as yes. the things that you want to do. But your conscious keeps you from like obviously becoming chaotic. Um, who's to say that literally what the mask was doing in the movie is what he would be doing. But he loses <laughs> all of that self-control and just kind of does whatever it, that he wants and turns it into more of a cartoonish way. Uh, What would you say would be your persona? Do you think that you would come out like very cartoony like him? Or do you think you would have more of like a, a, a bro type of like personality? I don't know. Maybe you put on the mask and you, like, resort to, like, this little boy being able to, like, play in the playground or something. I don't know. Listen, if I could go back to the
1: playground again and play with with action figures, I would do it in a second. This world ain't ain't meant for me. Um, I honestly, Rob, I can't imagine if I put the mask on. Maybe I would become more sexual sexual i don't know oh my
0: god (laughs) i think that i would be a very suave very swagger like person (laughs) if i put on the mask because i i don't know i I would love
1: to see that happen i would love
0: i don't have any game i will never claim i have game i don't even know the exact right things to say to get the other person to do whatever i want at the same time but at the same time you know i If it's done with a certain tone and appeal and all that stuff, I think that some of the things that I think about doing would work in my favor. So I think it would just be more of a swagger type of guy putting on the mask.
1: Would you you be dancing like him? I could totally see you doing that. Oh, yeah.
0: Of course. Of course. So he puts on the mask, right? So Mm -hmm. the first time you see this, like, glow under it, right? And then you get sort of like trance into putting it on. And even when he did do it, like tried to suck his face, like it tried to almost eat him afterwards, but he still put it on. Do you feel that he was hypnotized and under a trance or was that still by choice? What do you think about the, the affliction of the mass?
1: You know what? That's a great question, Rob. I think looking at it now as an adult, I think it possibly could be hypnotic in a way that it, it, because it, it takes over. I mean, it clearly it takes over your whole being and it sucks on your face. So I agree. I think there is something hypnotic because I'm telling you, if that thing was glowing, I wouldn't even put it near my face. I'd be like, oh, it's radiation.
0: Alright, so besides Jim Carrey, we also had our very first exposure to Cameron oh Diaz, God. who unfortunately has retired from acting at the moment. So if you haven't seen her for a while, there's why. She <laughs> decided to kind of step out of the spotlight. But this film is the her debut. I thought she was absolutely gorgeous. I also loved that she was a woman that was clearly out of Stanley's league. But at the same time, this was a character that I think was written in a way that even though that she is a bombshell, that she appreciates the nice guy, right? Her personality did not really establish like I deserve, you know, this type of men or I want you know money jewel i mean you look right. at her and you just think that she's not necessarily a gold digger but just like i want money and i want you know status and i want power and all of this stuff and this woman and the way that cameron diaz like portrayed her you believed that she was into this nice guy a thousand percent a thousand and percent i love that she got this part um Her acting I thought was great, and I really enjoyed her, you know, her sexy vibe to this movie. And she was super nice. I loved her smile. And I don't know if there's something heavy in the chemistry between her and Jim, but I thought they worked well together as well. Her fashion was on point. I will also say that.
1: She is adorable. I mean, she is so likable in this movie. I remember the same thing, seeing her for the first time, and I'm like, who is this adorable woman? I mean, clearly, I didn't, you know, not sexually attracted to her, but I could see, though, I think, especially back in the day, I think Jim Carrey was an attractive dude. I could see her being attractive to him. I guess it's the character that you're like, well, how the hell did Stanley get something like that? But... I love that the character does like Stanley and like and, you know, accepts him basically for who he is.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, So it's funny. Chuck Russell, the director, he actually threatened to quit directing this movie if they didn't hire Cameron Diaz. They did not want her in this movie. Because no I think a big part was because they didn't have an idea who this woman was and if she was gonna do well, but she all they also had other people in mind. So if it wasn't for Chuck Russell, Cameron Diaz technically would not have a career today.
1: Ooh, I'm so glad. I am so glad that it worked out differently because I love me some Cameron Diaz movies. Now, <laughs> this is
0: what's so crazy. Jim Carrey was 31. To Cameron Diaz is twenty-one.
1: She she did well. I mean, she looks so young, yeah. so young in this movie.
0: At the time of filming this in nineteen ninety-three, she was twenty-one to his thirty-one. Can you believe that?
1: Holy shit! And she, it's amazing because she honestly holds her own too. Yeah, I, I would have been nervous being twenty-one years old and then having a you know someone literally ten years older than me and acting and ugh. She did fantastic. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: No, but I really like this. And that last outfit she wore that, that I think it was like black and red or something. I Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite outfits. She, she looked great. So the only thing that I will say is that during her rendition of the Gee, Baby, Ain't I Good to You, you know, they try to give her Jessica Rabbit moment.
1: A thousand percent. Yep.
0: Um, that is not Diaz's voice. She did not sing that song. No, it's, it was dubbed over by a woman named Susan Boyd. So I just want to point that out and give her her props. You that was know. not her voice. Cause I always thought Cameron was singing that song as well, but. Oh my
1: God. That's was actually a, dub- a great match. That's a great match for voice, but it's crazy because we've seen Cameron singing in other things too, since after this. So I mean, best friend's wedding, although she didn't
0: well that's shaky. well that's the thing that's the perfect example as to why y- it would be hard to believe that she actually sang this song <laughs> in the mass so the fact that her voice was dubbed is great but it should also tell you actors out there that if you can't sing you can still have a successful acting career
1: <laughs> you know what i get from Harald i get like you mentioned jessica rabbit but i also get that breathless Maloney kind of yeah. Tracy kind yeah. of vibe with her
0: yeah no I totally get it Uh, so just a little bit of casting news for you between uh Stanley Ipkiss and Diaz what was her Tina Tina Carlisle that was her name <laughs> it just popped my head so for the part of Stanley Ipkiss we could have had Nicolas Cage I, you know what and i see it i, I totally see, see, it. see it a thousand percent especially if they were going to make it as dark as the comic books Oh my god yes yes Nicholas would have worked um matthew broderick and this okay. is this is because of the nice guy welcoming persona oh
1: yep yep, yep. this
0: would work steve martin i know steve crazy. martin now, think about his Saturday Night Live days. I mean, also add Martin Short to this list as well. And it's just because of their comedic timing and physicality that they can put into the role. I see it. Do I think any of them are better than Jim Carrey? Not I, yet.
1: my god. Like, these alter. I actually... There's so many times I wish we could go into an alternative dimension and <laughs> see the other movie, what it would have been.
0: At least a scene filmed or something.
1: Something, yes. Yeah. Holy crap!
0: The last name that I found for Stanley Ipkiss, Rick Moranis. I would have loved that. I would oh. have loved to see that. Would he? Could he do the mask part? Though we would have to look at his back stuff. I. The man is funny. He. I mean, his. His career is built on comedy. Yes. So maybe not as much as Jim Carrey, but it, it depends on how he was written.
1: Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: So for Tina Carlisle, Anna Nicole Smith, which was their top bill, they really wanted Anna Nicole to do this movie. <laughs> But I mean she kind of fits it. I mean, if anything, this would have brought a heavy like Marilyn Monroe type to it. Even though I think that Marilyn Monroe can act, I don't know exactly. No, I was gonna
1: say there's a difference. I mean, I loved Anna for what she was, but, but that I would have been it,
0: But it's it's to give that sort of like Betty Boopish, like <laughs> that you be. know, like persona <laughs> because it's matching with the whole cartoony thing vibe that's, that's going true. on. That's true. Um, other names include Jennifer Colony. Colony um, Christy Swanson. Yeah. I see that too. And
1: G- Her mannequin persona. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jerry Ryan. Okay.
1: Very sexy. I
0: would have loved Jerry Ryan to be in this role. And Vanessa Williams.
1: Oh. I would have... That's it. I would have taken Vanessa because I think she is the, one of the sexiest women.
0: Now, unfortunately, she didn't get it, but they did give her an opportunity to record a song for the movie. And she
1: sings, I was going to say. And she sings. And she sings.
0: sings. So, yeah, this Vanessa Williams song is only like two seconds. You'll blink if you miss it. It's right at the very end when they drive to the bridge to get rid of the mask. And the song was playing on the radio before they turn off the car.
1: Oh, my God. It's like
0: one or two bars and that's it. That's all you get. So if you I buy saw this s-
1: woman live, she is beautiful in person too. Yeah, no, singing.
0: she's, I, that would have been a fun thing. Um, Did you remember the soundtrack by the way? Oh my God, the music in this, like everybody was in this. Do you remember escape had a song? In this? It,
1: was, <laughs> it was like, Oh my God. I escape. know.
0: I love that escape was in this, but yeah. So speaking of music, we had a few musical numbers in yep. this film. Uh, the Coco Bongo Nightclub, awesome club, awesome vibe. I love this club. It's so cool. Did,
1: did you? I thought as a kid that this is what nightclubs were like. <laughs> so I was very disappointed when I didn't go for the first time and see this like 50s. Um, I Love Lucy, Ricky Ricardo, like, plays. I wanted this.
0: As far as the theme, I was here... I was near... I was... You know, kind of whatever with it. But what I did think clubs were, were that they were these humongous warehouse locations where there was room to do practically everything.
1: Two stories, three stories. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and I grew up in Washington, California, and every time I walk into a club, it is nothing. As far as the gay clubs, the gay clubs are the smallest things in the free world. I haven't been to enough like straight clubs to know, but like for the most part, they're the ones that get the warehouse, yeah. the two stories. We don't get shit, but that's what I thought clubs were back in the day. I just thought there was just so much room, but the
1: bronze—it oh, is a warehouse. It's like a exactly.
0: Giant but so the Coco Bongo Club is where we get sort of the what what is what would you say that type of music that is I would it's like Zoot Suit, like yeah.
1: yes yes yes. jazzy but yeah like like a up very upbeat jazz band
0: so uh the the stylings of it i thought was great and of course the number that we get where jim carrey and cameron are dancing which i think some of that was them but for the heavy you know, acrobatic sort of like moves were definitely done by professionals for sure. But I enjoyed that routine a lot. You know what's funny about- the look Yeah, the too. look. Yeah. what What's really funny about that scene too is that it's one of the most memorable outfits, this yellow suit yes. that he's wearing. And, you know, costumes and stuff were made for it. And people are still today donning the green mask with the yellow suit. This is what they want to dress as. For me, Have you ever thought of doing that? I know I was never going to be the mask. That just was a character that I wasn't going to be able to pull off. But if I did, the outfit I would have worn was his very first one with him in the robe. And, (sighs) and you know, when he first comes out of the, you know, the, the apartment that I love that outfit with the mallet and everything. Oh my God. (laughs) I love that scene so much. But as far as the yellow suit though, while everybody thinks that that's his most iconic, he only wore that outfit for, for five minutes. Yeah. It was like such the shortest time of screenplay, and it's the most memorable. It just shows Is it you because how- it's on the
1: poster too. You think? Like- I think
0: yeah. It just kind of stood out. They just made it stand out. But um, yeah, he didn't even wear it that long. Even in the cartoon, I remember that
1: being, like, the mask default look. It was that suit. It was that, yeah, they really wanted that to be the iconic moment, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, But then we also get another musical number where it is all Carrie all the time. Like, that's his voice. (laughs) He's singing this whole thing. And they actually, producers hated this musical number. They wanted it gone so much. I don't know what it- I don't know what it is about musical numbers that they just have some some stuff against. They didn't want the Hocus Pocus musical number in that either. Thank
1: God that we got it.
0: Yeah, but they did not want this. They just thought it was so cheesy. It wasn't funny at all. They just didn't like it. What did you think of the Cuban Pete scene?
1: That's what I think of Cuban Pete. Every time I think of the mask, I think of him with those bongos. I I love that. I love that. But that's what makes this movie fun. Like, yeah. I expect this to have a musical number
0: in it. <laughs> like. I just think it made sense. And with his powers, you know, I, I just, the, the scene is hilarious by the way. I think this was a great use of special effects and like abilities that he was given. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I love that he runs out and he's locking the door. He's putting all the boards and everything up. And then right behind him is the whole, like, cops. It just made sense to do it in this cartoony way. And then the first thing he thought of, well, let's hypnotize him with the dance number. That's exactly what Hocus did. But I love this song. I love this routine. Producers hated it, right? Um, the woman... Do you remember, it's like he goes up to a woman and does his little wavy hands. Yes. And then all of a sudden this woman is singing, right? Yes. So she is a known director. Oh, crap. I should get her name. Anne Fletcher is her name. Oh. She directed Step Up, uh, 27 Dresses, and The Proposal.
1: How funny. So she's a she, I guess, dabbled in acting, too, then.
0: Yeah, well, I think this was also a little close to home for her to be in this because she also did the choreographing for this movie. Oh, wow. yeah. She's a choreographer on this. So this was all her. And so, yeah, this is why they kind of focused on her among all the other policemen who were singing. It was because she was the one who <laughs> created this routine. So I thought that was cool. What what are some parts that you like about this movie or dislike? What like what's your thought on watching this again?
1: I love the scene where the policeman tells him that those PJs are impossible. (laughs) (laughs) But I totally this goes back to us again, Raw. I totally would wear those. Like I would totally wear that. So I but again, it just shows that this this gentleman He's this kid at heart, and he's so innocent. Like he has that innocence about him. I love the dog Milo Rob every scene he's in, and I found out that the dog's name is Max, and he was in Mom and Dad Save the World in 1992. Oh, as really? He's the alien dog in, dis- in disguise in that movie. I
0: wonder if he's also the same dog that was in uh, My Dog Skip. It
1: didn't say that because at first I was like, is this rim shot from Ernest? <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't. Rim shot. it wasn't. Yeah. But, um. And Rob, the scene where he, as the mask, go back to the mechanics that screwed him over.
0: Oh, man. Crazy. I, yeah.
1: I did not realize that that pipe was in that man's ass until this time watching this oh the you're kidding
0: time. well because the joke time. was like we're gonna need a proctologist like the best one you could find yeah no i knew it i totally knew
1: as a kid i'm like but now i'm like oh my god that pipe is in his ass
0: yeah they were traumatized <laughs> like traumatized <laughs> hold on to your lug nuts it's time for an over it was so good i just he's so good He's so good but scary as hell and just I just love the way he spins too into this like Tasmanian spinning. devil thing so good. So, you know what I'm going to say next? The location of the mechanic. Did you pick it up cuz I did immediately.
1: I it looked like every mechanic I feel like that I've I've seen.
0: Well, it's the exterior that should give it away, but for me it was the doorway. Because I remember it very, very well from the first one. So the location of the the auto mechanic shop is the um, same location as our Ghostbusters. Oh, my God.
1: How did I miss this?
0: Yeah. And if you yes. remember yes. how like the cast of Ghostbusters, especially Sigourney Weaver, when they would walk through the door, there would be this outer exterior door and then there would be the normal yes. door. Yes. So that is
1: literally the same? It
0: is the same building.
1: My God, I think I just must have thought it was like, oh, buildings are like this. Yeah, same
0: firehouse, (laughs) same firehouse. And, you know, watching the latest Ghostbusters also made it like confirm my suspicions that it was the same place. But yeah, basically the same one. And I just thought that was a nice little uh, tie in. But uh, to go from what you said about Milo, though, Milo is seriously the best dog ever. I just never have I seen a dog just steal so many scenes when the movie is not even about them. But unfortunately, the dog was actually a very misbehaved dog in the making of this movie. It just would never do anything it was supposed to do. It's just a very exciting dog. So one scene in, in particular... Is when he wakes up after, you know, the night at the club and the cops is banging on his door, he opens the closet to reveal all that money, right? Oh my God, yes. So Jim Carrey, you know, Stanley, he has to scoop all the money in to the closet before answering the door with the Frisbee. And Milo grabs the Frisbee, making it very, very difficult to do that. The dog was not supposed to do that.
1: Oh, that was just wow. They added that in. Yeah, it's really happening. Yeah.
0: And so they could it just kept happening. So they just played with it and they just kept it in the movie. But the dog was never supposed to grab the Frisbee like that. But just so much laughter and cheers from this dog, like him catching the mask, you know, when Tina kicks it like that slow motion moment and then that big heroic music. The crowd went nuts when he caught the mask it was like one of the best scenes ever but it wasn't until the henchman tried to grab him and then milo decides to put the mask on our theater was clapping so loud even before we even saw what the mask did to him it was the fact that it was written for this dog to put it on it, it like milo stole every scene it was so good so so good and a genius move
1: those Jack Russells are very uh, um, stubborn, I will say,
0: having worked with
1: them. So I could believe this all. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so some other, like, parts that I liked was, again, I love when he first puts the mask on. And, you know, um, we get our catchphrases. And, and this is another thing that's really wonderful about Jim Carrey. I don't know if he created these or if it was written in... From the comic book, but just the smoking line and the P-A-R-T-Y, like, between that and Ace Ventura, like, this man has been able to create so many iconic phrases that people are still saying today, and I just love his intro into the movie, just, you know, with his Gumby, like, bouncy, you know, vibe, and then the way he slides out of the apartment and just starts walking-
1: the slide.
0: But I just love, like, the do not disturb side. And then he's, like, looking at the camera, which I also think is very mass. Like, the mask is so, like, suspended from all reality. Like, yeah. he is going to break the fourth wall. That is exactly who the mask is. And so he looks at the camera and shush and then just does the creeping. But I love how, no, for no reason why, let's just have an alarm clock disturb <laughs> the hallway and, like wreak havoc and he just pulls out this mallet out of his pocket and with that maniac laugh that was so good and just like when he destroys the clock he just says snooze and i just love that line i just think that opening sequence to him is so hilarious i I love the mallet but
1: i also love the little tiny horn that- oh, yes, it's yes. yes. <laughs> that little horn. I love that every time.
0: Now, a question for you Do you feel that his id took over and that Stanley did not have any decisions? This is like the Hulk, Hyde, any of those yeah. like persona things. Do you think that it was an entirely different person or do you think it was just. A different version of Stanley Because he wakes up somewhat Not knowing exactly what he did The night before Right. So is it Stanley making the decisions Or is it a literal separate person Taking over Oh my god
1: you know what That's a great question I always did assume it is like the Jekyll and Hyde thing Like I always took the mask as Like the most Like sinister parts Maybe of Stanley would come out But I don't think he has any control. Fair. I would have loved to have seen in a sequel maybe that fact that you're mastering the mask or something like that. Like you could actually in, like add your own. I mean, clearly it's a fun thing, which I think Stanley would do, cartoony esque things. But I do, to me, I do think maybe it is it takes over. What about you?
0: Yeah, I I always think that when you talk about the inner desires, I do feel that it is a very separate conscious that is witnessing the things that they're not able to do, and they are carrying it out. Which I think is why he's so manic. It's because he's never being let out, right? Yes. Um. One of the things that I think that could have they could have done better, or what I would have loved to have seen in this movie, watching it now as an like more of an adult, is the. Exploration of the mask. Like, we get one scene where apparently we find out the mask is from the god of mischief, Loki. And <laughs> yes. we had no idea who Loki was at this time. So, nope. watching it and hearing it now, it hits different, but it makes complete sense. Now, they explored more of that in the sequel. But in this one, we don't know where the mask came from. I mean, yes, it was buried. And I'm thinking they. That. So, what I think, well, actually, I think what they did was they captured Loki in the mask, and they put him in a chest and locked him up because he just causes havoc, right?
1: Oh, so he is, his essence is in that mask.
0: Yes, that's what I'm assuming, because you would think that if he put on the mask, Loki would come out, but he didn't. It was just, you know, the powers, I guess, were in it. So the other thing is, is that, they only did this once, Stanley throws the mask out of the window, but it comes back. Yes. As if what he was chosen, he was tied to the mask because any other part in this movie, oh. when the mask is kicked or thrown, mm. anybody who got a hold of it was able to hold it and put it on. So yes. why in that particular situation did the mask come back? And I wish they had explored Ooh. more of that supernatural connection of how the mask works. So that would have been a really fun plot device. You know, that's device.
1: actually a great, that's a great question because why did it? Yeah, it's almost like at that moment it was it knew it had to be attached like a parasite. uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Some other things that I just kind of wanted to point out was some of the uh, uh, (laughs) actors that we saw in here. I don't remember his name at the moment. I thought I had it written down. So um, we get Peggy, who is Amy Yazbek. And like anybody who knows anyone she is awesome um she is mostly famous at least for my childhood as the stepmom in the problem child and i freaking (laughs) love her in this movie um but peggy is the reporter that is kind of like possible love interest we don't know what's going on with her with stanley and um peggy's boss at the paper was sean hunter's dad on boy meets world did you catch that yes (laughs)
1: yeah and before actually i just want to mention with peggy i found out that in the deleted scene the reason she disappeared oh did you see this the reason she disappears Mm -hmm. is she's basically killed by well she's thrown into a printing press
0: yes yes this can be found on youtube and i believe a special edition or maybe even a blu-ray if there was a blu-ray made of the mass this is included in the dvd um special features as a deleted scene but yes this was part of the darker side of the movie was that after she gave him up, she took the money. But then I think she tried to stand up for Stanley and be like, you know, leave him alone, don't hurt him. And then they took he when when the guy put on the mask, he threw her into the printing press. Oh. And this was to establish the type of powers that somebody with more of an evil side has, because when she went into the printing press, it wasn't like it was all bloody and gross. It was the fact that her face was squished and a literal headline front page newspaper came out with her face squished in saying, oh, she died or something. So very
1: Roger Rabbit esque as well. Exactly.
0: But more of a darker side. But yeah, they had totally killed her and stanley she was just this know,
1: disappears and in the main cut and you're like well all right
0: yeah but again it just kind of brings that idea of like what could have, this have been if it was a rated r film crazy right
1: Oof.
0: yeah <laughs> so yeah i wish they had explored a little bit more of the the sort of behind the scene not behind the scenes but the sort of where the mask came from and what it's trying to do and things like that so as far as the second movie with the Son of the Mask with uh, Jamie Kennedy. So they tried to give Jim Carrey $10 million for this movie. And back then, that was a lot. Our and he percent. still turned it down. Damn. Still turned it down. How much would it take you, Ryan, to do Son of the Mask? How much not, money? Not even half that.
1: I would have I I I taken have million. What's five, your price? Uh, you $2 would, million. You <laughs> would have taken and done Son of the Mask. <laughs> I mean... Because I think it's so linked to him, like I think it's such as it would have set up such a series. I think the potential would have been there if he continued to have a series so i i I really hate that he didn't I mean, I get it it's his 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 choice at the end of the day, but um, <laughs> I don't know about Jamie Kennedy. I mean, I guess if I were to pick somebody to replace he. I guess at the time it was like a poor man's Jim Carrey.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that I could ever watch that movie again, even no. on a bet. Like Once. it's just something that I can't do again. I love the idea of it. It makes sense the way that they filmed it or whatever, but like just the story and all I just, I can't, it was just so bad compared to the first. It was so bad. No, so bad.
1: no it, I was shocked actually when I saw it, <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. This is not the mask.
0: So the other thing that I wanted to bring up is is something uh, in in regards to the special effects. So this was actually nominated for an Oscar for best visual effects. Uh, so I thought that was great. The many, many things that this movie did produce, I think, is a testament of how the mass just became just this thing. Like I did buy that video game, the Super Nintendo oh one. Oh
1: my god! I, I rented it a lot. It is it is
0: a very difficult game to play, but I bought it. I did it's not care. Itself, right?
1: Doesn't it start in the apartment? I think building, so. And you're like, I remember being, Oh my God, this game is hard.
0: But I want to say that it's also based on the cartoon and not the movie because the mm-hmm. animation I think looked very familiar, but I did watch that cartoon. I had the VHS and the DVD, but I, yeah, I, I didn't do Halloween for him. And I could
1: totally I, see you with that. Cause you love green. Yeah. I could totally
0: see you wearing that mask. I'm very curious to the comics though. I I, I've been a little like back and forth if I want to invest in them but to see you know exactly how dark this series could have been it would be interesting to kind of see sort of the comics but um, would you like the idea of it being revived again and coming back or is it little too little too late
1: no you know what Rob like
0: when you were saying
1: earlier we live in the time of comic book movies right. I mean, I know people don't consider the mask a comic book movie, but for people who don't know, they think of it as the Jim Carrey movie. But I think this would be a badass reboot if they did do it serious, like a Spawn or a you know a darker yeah. take. Yeah. Uh,
0: what's funny is that the original ending was not what you saw on screen apparently they were setting up a sequel watching his friend dive into the river to get the mask oh, yeah. and it was gonna end with him being in the sequel but the friend that's the, yes, that, the that, friend but who the fuck knows like who cares like I I mean the friend was okay of in a character but not enough to lead the sequel
1: he left him outside of that nightclub yeah couldn't get I was like oh
0: So they changed the ending and having Milo retrieve the mask instead. I, I,
1: I rather that. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think about sort of the impact that the mask had rewatching it again? Is it something that stands the test of time as far as comedy, or is it just a fun movie that happened in the nineties and you're cool with like, what do you think? About like as far as a recommendation. Or turning to this for like big laughs. Did it hit you as good as it did as a kid? Or.
1: I will say I laughed more as a kid. Mm -hmm. But. I think. Just for the facts like you said. It set up Cameron Diaz to be. An actress. Jim Carrey's performance. The CGI. That still holds up strangely. I I still don't understand how. But because. Jurassic Park dinosaurs didn't even look good in the Lost World, Jurassic Park. So I don't even know. Um, But no, I think it's definitely a 90s movie. And if you are not into that, I don't know if a modern crowd would really like it as much. I would say, I mean, this is two complete different movies, but I could see someone picking the Nutty Professor Over Like for an alter ego kind of movie from the 90s over the mask. But for our generation, I mean, it's timeless.
0: It is very timeless, I think. I think this is classic Jim Carrey. I think if people miss those days when he was playing characters like this, that this is a wonderful film to review again. Um, And it is currently on HBO Max with subscription. Should you want to look up this, Jim, and try and watch it again, um the mysteriousness of like just what the mask holds I just think there's so much story here I would mm-hmm. love a series I would a love a series I would yes. love to explore a series with this HBO Max um,
1: there you go
0: but I think the mask again was such a joy to watch And I would definitely watch this again. I own it. So it's definitely staying on the shelf. As far as an entertainment value, it's definitely a five out of five for me. I mean, again, it's just one of my favorite movies ever. And I've never really watched this with this like side of it's boring or if it's something in the background. Like I sit and actually watch it because just looking at Jim Carrey do his thing is such a joy And I do miss that side of him. And and I understand he's sort of at an age where he can't really pull that kind of stuff off again. But I'm glad this movie was made and that he was in it.
1: What about Mask, like, 30 years later? Like, that sequel, like, the legacy sequel. I wonder if he would do it, if it was more serious this time. It depends
0: on what demands they would have him do. You know, maybe his personality changed a little bit as he grew older and somebody else put on the mask. But, um, yeah, I I would love to see some kind of continuation with this. I think it'd be fun to explore. So it's staying on the shelf. It's a BBD. It is...
1: Better budget.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Ryan, thank you for helping me with this review. I appreciate it. I thank you for giving me an excuse to rewatch it because even
1: though it was a staple of my childhood, you know life gets in you know you watch other things and you forget how much you enjoyed this movie so when i rewatched it i was like oh my god yes so thank you
0: no of course of course everyone thank you for listening to this review of the mass i hope you guys enjoyed it and if you have any thoughts on the mass definitely let me know um on twitter instagram um mgnp podcast on twitter movie geek and proud on instagram And remember, there are no such thing as a guilty pleasure film. Fuck the haters and be proud of your taste in movies. This is Movie Geek and Proud.